right, uh, Dad Heads, we got legendary Austin musician back on the show, Bob Schneider. Bob, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. How how are things? How's the family? How's the touring? Uh, things are good. Things are good. Yeah. So, uh, Bob, you got a you got a daughter. You got a son. Um, you know, we're a, we're a parenting show. I've got two boys. So the first thing I want to ask you, I want to ask you a couple parenting questions. Um, the bride and I were trying for a girl and, you know, she's wearing me out with it, but I've, I've got two boys. I've raised them mostly the same. They're both great kids, but personality wise, they couldn't be more different from each other. They're like crazy opposites. And I think that speaks more to the nature part of the nature versus nurture. So with a boy and a girl, um, has your parenting style differed between the two of them at all? Yeah, it, it has for sure. Um, I think with uh, with boys, there's that thing where you want them to be like, you know, you you know, you want them to be tough and and not, you know, be pussies and shit like that. And uh, and with girls, you just don't have any of that. So there's with and guys, you know, that eventually they're going to come and they're going to kill you. I mean, not literally, but figuratively, they're going to come try to take over uh, and be the king. And then you've got to go slink off into the jungle and die somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, my seven-year-old so that's there. flexed on me a couple times. He's, he's yeah, stepped yeah. up to me a couple times. So, yeah, I mean, in the teen years, they're definitely coming for you. And my boys are in jiu-jitsu, so at some point, and I'm an old man, they're going to be able to overtake me for sure. Oh, they're going to fuck you up, dude. Yeah, they're going to kick your ass. They're, they're going to take turns kicking your ass if they're both <laughs> in the jiu-jitsu. Are, are you, do you take martial arts? Are you a fighter? Oh, no, man. Well, I mean, I used to box a long time ago, but I have, I've got a replaced joint in my neck. I got one in my shoulder. I got one in my wrist. I'm, I'm a freaking mess. So, yeah, it's going to be trouble for me. Yeah. Well, yeah, it will be. But if you were a fighter, you'll, you'll fuck them up, too. You, you guys will probably disfigure each other. You know, he'll probably disfigure one of your kids. The, whatever is the weaker of your two sons, you'll probably do some harm to him. The other one will fuck you up. Either way... It's not going to end well for either of you guys, you or your sons. <laughs> right, right. So yeah, with your girl, you're you're more uh, you dote over her a little more. Or what's what's the difference with how you are with her? Yeah, I mean, there's just nothing. There's nothing there that like stops me from just being. You know, I'm just in. Just, you know, like I'm her dad, like I'm, I'm just there to love her. I'm not there to like toughen her up or make sure, but, but her mom's really good at that, by the way. Um, my, my daughter's going to be a real serious badass when she grows older, just because my wife's such a badass. Yeah. So if it was just me, uh, I'd really be worried about the whole me too thing, uh, with my daughter <laughs> because she wouldn't know how to protect herself at all. But with my wife, she's basically weaponizing her. Like I feel oh, bad good. for anybody who tries to fuck with her when she gets older because it won't end well for them. Right, right. Well, I mean, hey, that's parenting, you know, like you balance each other out, right? Like if you were both like you or you were both like your wife, neither one of those would probably go well. You need both. You need the tough love and you need the, the cuddling. So, you know, that's yeah. where my home too. Um, so, um, Another question, the bride and I, you know, we want our kids to have a great childhood. All parents want their kids to have a great childhood. And we, you know, we try to, to give them as much as we can, but we don't want to spoil them. Um, we, we vacation a lot. And we just got back from a weekend of boating on Havasu and they had an amazing time. 
But it starts to feel like these kids just expect these things rather than the things feeling special. And uh, as a successful musician, I'm sure your kids get some experiences that other kids don't. How do you how do you make sure they know like this is special, this is not normal? I actually want to go back to to when you you're calling your wife your your bride. How long have you guys been married? It sounds like you've like <laughs> literally been married for a week. Oh, like man. the uh, like. I have I stopped using the word bride after a week, and then yeah. it was just like uh, that lady that lives with me, the woman yeah. that 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 is now the woman that you I guess with. Yeah, the woman that's she's my wife, but I don't refer to her as my bride. Like yeah. that ended so quickly. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, uh, how long? Years, have, how long have you guys 12 been married? Years. Twelve years, yeah. and you're still <laughs> calling her your bride. Yeah, she likes it. I like it. I think it's cute. Some people think it's cute. It is. Some people think it's disrespectful. So whatever. Fuck them. That's, that's no, no. It. I think no, dude. It sounds like you guys are in love, and it sounds pretty romantic. Like I, I yeah. that's why I'm kind of stunned by it that you're yeah, still I calling her that. I think it's romantic too. But some feminists have told me that it, it's it's possessive. It makes her like my property when I say my bride. You know, well, she is so. your property. I mean, she's your wife, so <laughs> you own her. You can do anything you want to her. Right, right. Basically, yeah. I mean, I traded yeah, yeah. three healthy cows to get her too. So yeah, the I law mean. is on your side, dude. Trust <laughs> me. <laughs> right. You're um, you're fine. You you won't yeah. get into any trouble yeah, with exactly. anything. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, anyways, uh, so you think your kids are expecting this like special boating treatment every weekend? No, no, and I you're just like, feel like I feel like they expect something. Like they it's just not, you know, we went on vacation when I was a kid like once every 2 years. You know, I think that's pretty standard. We're going all the time. That's where we spend our money. We we try to create experiences, go places, do things, and I think it's just starting to get normal for them. Like we went camping the weekend before, then we we went to Havasu. When we get back, we're pulling in. They're like where are we going next weekend? I'm like, we're staying home, man. You know, like we're staying home. We're going to hang out. So yeah, they, they're starting to expect it. Yeah. I don't, I don't like to go on vacations. My wife, on the other hand, loves, you notice I said wife and not bride. You just won't hear me say bride, by the way. <laughs> it's just wife. I feel like wife is the kindest thing I can call my wife. Anyways, um, she loves to travel. She loves to go on vacation. My life at home is a vacation. Like I get to do what I want, which is like write songs, make art, hang out. We live in a nice place out in the country. So like anything that takes me away from here is a step down. Yeah. So I hate, yeah. I hate going on vacation. Like this last weekend I had a gig in Seattle and then another one in Vail. So I took, took uh, my wife and daughter with me. And it was the longest weekend of all time. And I, right. I, because like they're wanting to do stuff, go around, check out things. And I'm like, oh man, I gotta, I gotta get ready for a show. I can't be sure. like doing stuff. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well, um, I mean, let's be real. You're, you're, you're traveling all the time for work. So when you're not, right. when you're not doing that, you probably don't want to do that. Plus vacation, if, if we're being honest, vacation it's a lot of work for, for the parents. You know, it's a lot of work to get everything together, to keep the kids in line and keep them in You know, it's work. So, yeah, I, I, I can relate to that. If I, if I yeah, was it's traveling not. 150 dates a year, I wouldn't want to be going on vacation either. 
Yeah, it's not fun. I mean, but I, I've never liked going on vacation, even before I had kids. Uh, it's just something I'm not, I don't know, just, it's just some, it's not something I find, like, it's just not fun. I My yeah. life is way more fun than going somewhere that's strange and new where I have to, like, figure shit out. I'm like, I don't want to figure anything out. Like, I'm, I like to know where everything is. And uh, that works for me. And then, you know, if I'm like, oh, you know, in a new place and I'm like, got to yelp everything. I'm like, no, that doesn't work. I know that sounds boring as fuck. And I guess I am probably as boring as you can get. But I think more men feel that way. Women, women, not to generalize, but I'm about to. they, They love to travel and, you know, see new things and be excited. And I think most men would rather stay home um yeah you know, you know what women it. really you know what women really love what's that is when men generalize about them <laughs> i know that's their favorite that's their favorite thing yep yeah i know S- especially I, I in gen- out. yep yep and i keep doing it too so i'm learning um so let, let's let's pivot to the music a little bit um so you know you're 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 a fun guy. You write a, a ton of fun music, and but your last two albums, King Kong and uh, Blood and Bones, they've had a little more of a serious vibe to them. You know, a little more, little more, just a little more chill. I, I felt like they were more serious. Anyway, is there any reason for that? Uh, I think all my records are pretty like they're kind of dark and 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 light. They're, I mix. I mi- I mean. I I realized recently like that all of the songs that I write and most of the songs that I put on my records have a subversive quality to them, but I keep it really sort of not hidden, but I disguise the subversive qualities of the lyrics or the music in, in a way that like people will listen to them and like, Oh, that's a nice little fun song. But really if you if you take a real look at it, you like go, oh, that's uh, it's pretty dark. There's yeah. some darkness there. Yeah, so kind of hide the darkness with some uh, humor. You bury it. Yeah, yeah, and I, I like combining the two. My favorite is like real sad with funny. So if I can get somebody to maybe laugh during a song, but then also feel real sad or or melancholy in the same song, then I'm then that's what I'm going for like if i can switch the emotional feeling that the person's having when they're listening to like a three minute song then i'm like ah that's a home run yeah man that that's art that's like the best movies will make you laugh and make you cry right they they take you on a whirlwind trip yeah same with music same with same with any art really so yeah dude i just started watching this movie on amazon prime called daybreak i don't know what the french the french <laughs> no, it's called Daybreak. Good God, Daybreak. Okay. Right. Yeah, that makes more sense. No, it's called Daybreak, but the French title is like four words. I don't know why it took them four words to say the word Daybreak, but it's like some movie from maybe the 30s or at the latest, maybe the early 40s. And uh, it's this guy and he's like, meets this chick. Well, it starts out where this guy kills this guy and then you don't know why he killed him. And uh, it's just like an old, like, film noir movie that you'd see in America. But 
they're kind of flirting around with these people, like wanting to have sex with each other. And then at one point, the guy walks into this room and this chick that he's dating is straight up naked. And you're like, what the (laughs) fuck? And then you're like, oh, yeah, the French, the fucking French, dude. They don't give a fuck. No, no. Oh no. my god! I was, was I was watching yeah, with was I was watching with my wife, and we were we were laughing so hard when that shit happened. Yeah, yeah. There was a period when the bride and I were into foreign films, and we'd see some French films, and they're yeah, they're fuck with your head a little bit, but it's good. It's good. It's good. To well, it's, just, it's just it's good. Well, it's just so weird because it's such an old film. You just don't expect that, you know, because all the American films were pretty cleaned up. Um, oh yeah, especially around that time. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, separate beds and no cuss words, and yeah, yeah, they were they were a little bit ahead of us. Um, so you you've also you've sung a you've sung a long, lot of fun songs about you know chasing girls, you know chasing tail, right? But you've also written a lot of absolute like heartbreakers, like changing your mind and Montgomery and Blood and Bones. And when I hear a lyric like last time you were at the Troubadour last year was the first time I heard uh, Blood and Bones. It, it's phenomenal. And you got the lyric, I wish I was a bird so I could build a nest in your hair and I could sing you to sleep every night and everywhere. When I hear something like that, I got a couple thoughts. I'm like, this is obviously a very passionate man who, who loves fiercely. And also, this guy might be a stalker. So <laughs> do you consider yourself to be a romantic? And are you a stalker? No, well, no, A, I'm definitely not a stalker. B, I'm definitely a romantic. No, I fall in love real hard, real quickly, almost instantly sometimes. Yeah. And I love, I love romance. I love the idea of falling in love. I love the idea of love at first sight and all that stuff. And uh, that Blood and Bone song, you know, I wrote it after my daughter was born. I think a lot of my love songs now. They're about her. Uh Kind of, they're more about like, hey, I love you. I want to support you. I want to take care of you. I want to make sure that you're okay. I want to do everything I can to make sure that that you're all right because you okay. mean the world to me. Whereas before I, before I had my daughter, it was more like, let me get, how, can I get some of that pussy? Right, right. And uh-huh. then, uh, and so there, that Little was like. Knocker. Well, yeah, I mean, that was, that was like, Hey, what can I get from you to make me feel better? And now it's more like, no, what can I do for you to, to make sure that you're okay? Because I really deeply care right. about you. Right. Yeah. I mean, so it's, it's, crazy how it's, parenthood, it's different. It's crazy how parenthood flips that switch in a man. I mean, for sure. I don't even have girls and it did the same thing to me just having boys. Um, and yeah, that lyric now puts a different twist on that lyric when I think about it through that lens. Um, it's, it's beautiful. Um, yeah, so on, on the drive home from, from this weekend from Havasu, my kids introduced me to this game called Would You Rather. Um, have you ever played this? No. Okay. So it's like, it's like they say, would you, you know, it's a six hour drive. You do all kinds of crazy. Yeah. Would you rather suck a dick or would you rather like bite off your toe? Yeah. That's exactly what my, I'll bite bite off my toe. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's the game. There's always dick sucking is always going to be, it's going to always be, it's always going to get homophobic at some point that game. Yeah. Well, when it's a bunch of dudes for sure, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to try to keep it musically relative. 
All right. So I, I, want, I want to throw a couple of these at you. Would you rather your next single be a number one Billboard hit that makes you filthy rich, but you have to retire right after it, or never get another hit again, but to continue to perform for as long as you want? Well, the latter for sure. I, I love what I do. I, yeah. I know people that want to become successful so that they can stop doing what they're doing and do something else. I've never been that way. I've always just done exactly what I want to do. And I'll never stop doing it. My wife is like, what are you going to do after you retire? I'm like, I ain't doing shit because I ain't retiring. I'm going to do this until I'm dead like Willie Nelson, except the only difference is I'll be writing new songs and playing them for super old people. And they'll be like, play that song that you used to play back in the day. And I'll be like, go fuck yourself. I'm going to play this new song about being real old and not being able to poop right. right and they'll right. be like, be rapping about I don't like lady. that song. I like the old song. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. Well, man, if you feel that way, first of all, I'll be in the crowd at 80 dancing along to the, the song about not being able to shit right. Um, I'll be there. But if you feel that way, that's what you want to do. Consider yourself super lucky because almost nobody feels that way. So... Well, you're, that's you're the part like that, that that's the part that I find so insane. Like you have this, the most valuable thing in the world is not money. It's not a house. It's not your car. It's your time. It's right. your life. Like you have this life and you can do anything you want with your life and your yeah. time. And the fact that people trade time for money, I'm just like, what the f- Fuck. And I get it. You're like, oh, I got kids. I got to take care of my kids. You don't need that much money to take care of your kids. You don't. Like, no, you're right. just live frugally. Like, don't use diapers. Have your kids shit in the woods. Live in a fucking tent. Right. Whatever you do, do what you love. If you're not doing what you love, then think about what you're doing and then do something else. Yeah, man. Well, you're so right. You're, you you nailed it, man. But I think I think there's a couple things going on there. One, you're you're raised with this idea that you gotta you gotta go you gotta go to school, then you go to college, and you get married, then you raise kids, and you take care of the kids. And then the other is that um, a lot of people just don't know what they want to do. They don't know themselves well enough, right? They they don't have any passions for anything, so they just go along with the flow, right? Um, and, yeah, and, that, that and I, really I yeah, and I understand that some people find a lot of comfort in knowing, like some people like go, okay, I'm going to choose one of these paths because I know it's all been laid out for me. All I have to do is just connect the dots and then I'll have enough money to support my family, which is really all I care about. And I'll go on vacation, blah, blah, blah. And they find that sort of life very comforting. And, and that's fine. If, if that's, if that's what you like, if you like your life and you like how comfortable it is and you like, um, how sort of laid out it is for you, then that's great. Like it, that would not work for me. Like, in fact, I was thinking about it today and I was like, if I was in a profession where I knew what was going to happen for the rest of my life. I don't know what I would do. I like the fact that I don't know what's going to happen. Like I could write, I don't know what I'm going to write. I don't know what I'm going to be playing uh, six months from now when I'm playing live. Like it's all a mystery, which is what I love. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's inspiring what you're saying. Um, hopefully people hear that and it gives them a little kick in the ass. And what, what you're saying about trading your time for money, I mean, basically, it, that's prostitution. We're all, we're all trading our bodies for some service in exchange for money. And it sucks when you look at it that way, but that's, that's what we're doing, right? And recent studies, like happiness studies, I don't know if you, if you follow, but um, studies show that money does increase happiness up to a certain point. Like something like up to like $70,000, it increases happiness because it takes care of basic necessities, roof over your head, feeding your kids, giving them clothes. But after that, there's no correlation between money and happiness from like 70000 up to, you know, a million. No correlation. So I found that really interesting. It's like you need enough money to be comfortable and not have to worry about, you know, because stress, stress makes people unhappy. So you want to have those basic needs taken care of. But after that, people are just working 60 hours trying to get rich and, you know, consumerism. That doesn't do shit for you. Yeah, but that, I mean, that's the society we live in is telling us all the time, A, we should be happy. Like that should be something that you can achieve, which is impossible. You can only be happy some of the time. And then you're going to be happy as much as you're unhappy is how much happiness you can have. Like, so if you're super happy, you're going to be super sad. And that's the way it works. It's like a pendulum. So you, you can get the pendulum to not have super wide swings to where you're like not super unhappy and not super happy. But the best thing you can hope for is to get it to where you're like sort of happy sometimes and then sort of feeling shitty sometimes, but you can't have one without the other. And so the idea that you can be happy all the time, which we're told in our society, you can, as long as you have Taco Bell, Mitsubishi, uh, skin cream, um, what is it? What's the, what's the daily ED medications? It's, um, it's the one, the C one. It's the C the yeah. Alice for yeah. daily use. Um, Zappos. Yeah. I don't know what all the shit that you need to be happy. You if you well, just but, pile all that shit on top of you, then you can be happy all the time. And it's bullshit. Well, it's not true. You can only be happy, happy for part of the time. The, if you're happy all the time, are you even happy? Like you need to have some down times. You need to be sad a little bit in order to recognize, oh, I'm feeling pretty good right now. I'm happy right now. So you need a comparison. You can't be happy all the time or or that's just now you're bored. If you're happy all the time, now you're bored, and then you're unhappy again, right? Well, it's impossible to do. You're, you're, there's equilibrium. Your brain has this equilibrium thing where as happy as you can possibly be, it's going to find... You're, basically, every time you have a pleasurable experience in your life, it's setting you up for the next time you want to have that pleasurable experience and you don't. You now have displeasure because instead of just being like, uh, oh, I was cool with nothing happening here, but now that I expect pleasure and there's no pleasure, now I'm feeling displeasure. It's such a weird thing. It's like uh, drugs. Like the first time you do, I don't know what, Coke or heroin or whatever drug it is that you 
decide you want to do, like, it's amazing. You're like, Oh, that's the best drug in the world. And then the next thing you know, you're just, you're just doing the drug to, to just be normal. And then if you stop Mm -hmm. doing the drug, you're in real bad shape. And that's the same with happiness. Yep. Yep. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I often, speaking of that pendulum, I often in my life, I think about, you know, have I experienced the greatest pain or greatest loss that I'm ever going to experience? Or is that yet to come? Like I, I lay awake at night and I think about these things, you know, cause you, you don't know, like you could be on top of the world and life for me right now is pretty good, but you don't know what's around that corner. There's no idea. And that, that's Oh, I do. Scary. I knew what's, I know what's around the corner. It's getting old or death and losing everybody that you love. Everybody that you love is going to die. If you live long enough, I wrote a song called everything you love a while back. And the chorus is like, God will destroy everything you love if you live long enough. And people thought mm-hmm. that the whole song was about like me hating God or something. Right. No, and it's, it's so yeah. weird because that's, that's not what the song's about. The song's no. about if you stick, here's this, here's what that song was about. The song's about me having a son. And then as soon as I had a son or a kid, it doesn't matter if it's a boy or a girl. As soon as I had a boy, I realized, oh my God, this person that I love with all my heart is going to die one day. Now me dying, I don't give a shit about me dying. I mean, of course I do. I don't want to die and I don't want anybody to kill me and I don't, and I don't want to die some weird death. I'm, but at the end of the day, it's not that big of a deal because I don't care about myself at all. Now my kids, that's all I love. That's the only thing that I truly love beyond Everything in the world are my kids and they are going to die. And when you realize that, oh my God, dude, that is the fucking, that's heavy. Like that's a heavy thing to, to come to grips with. Now, when you get, you start getting older. What you're talking about trading, trading time for money. Like, man, your time, your time is way more valuable than any money. Like you don't have much of it, you know? And, and yeah, you're going to die. Everybody you love will die. So make the best of that time. Yeah, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty crazy. So yeah, so you've got that to look forward to. You've got either you dying or everybody that you know dying. So that's what you got to look forward to. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Now, that sounds horrible, especially in the society we live in where to be happy, you're supposed to be dating the double mint twins or... I don't know, enjoying a delicious, uh, (laughs) or enjoying a a delicious happy hour meal at TGIF or whatever it is with the, or whatever it is, that's what you're supposed to be doing. But here's the, here's the amazing thing. And here's the wonderful thing about life. Like you can do all that stuff and you get to do all that stuff and you'll do something approximating, approximating that when you're young. And then the older you get, the less of that you'll do and the more old shit you'll do. And then you'll just do all this shit when you get old, where your body will start to break down. You'll lose all your looks. You'll lose your friends. You'll lose, uh, you'll lose being attractive to the opposite sex. You'll, you'll get feeble and old, like all of these amazing experiences that you get to have as you get older, that young people don't get to experience. You have to get old to experience them. And they are amazing. And uh, 
and I'm I'm scared to death of all of it. But it yeah, will be a profound experience that I'll get to have if I live long enough to have that experience. And it's a, it's it's an amazing thing. And now, I don't know what your spiritual beliefs are, but I well, I believe say, it's it's uh, it's terrifying, and I think that's why people gravitate to religion. It gives some comfort about those thoughts. Well, I think you you have to create some sort of you have to have some sort of spiritual system in place. Even if it's, even if the spiritual system is, you know what, when I die, it's the lights go out and that's it. And then I'm done because, which for me doesn't make sense. Cause I was brought up, you know, Catholic. So I believe in an afterlife. It's hard for me to not believe in an afterlife. So it's hard for me to believe in that. But I, the thing I've realized recently is like, that's actually pretty comforting to think about like, oh, like there's no hell, there's no heaven, there's no like, oh, am I going to, you know, there's no like report card that you have to look at at the end of your life. You're just like, it's over and then you can just chill out and and you're good. You don't have to worry anymore. So some people find that very comforting. Yeah, I don't find that but you comforting have to f- at all. Yeah, I mean, the, the, uh, the, the thought of just not existing and nothing, it just, I can't wrap my head around it. It doesn't seem possible. So it sounds pretty terrifying. And you say you, you believe in an afterlife. Right. And I, I want to believe in an afterlife. Like I, I'm, I'm hope, let's say I'm hoping for an afterlife, but I don't know. And that's the scary part is the unknown. I don't know. You don't know. You know, we, we're just guessing. We're, we absolutely are guessing, but here's the thing. I think, uh, either way, if it's lights out forever, that's fine. Cause I won't know it's lights out forever. It'll, that, that'll just be the way it is. And I won't, I won't be around and I won't know anything. And if there is an afterlife, then I'll just be doing whatever that afterlife thing is. Now, granted, I've been giving I've been given a healthy dose of like hell fear, you know, from mm-hmm. from from religion. Yeah. But I don't th- I don't think that's true. Now, I can't really get rid of that. That's like stuck in my brain, even mm-hmm. though intellectually I can go, well, that's stupid. There's no right. such thing as hell. Like. Yeah. It, if if you have children, there's nothing your children can do. Your children could come in with their jujitsu and fuck you up like hardcore, like break your spine. So you now you're in a wheelchair and you're shitting in a bag because that's probably what's going to happen to you, by the way, with these jujitsu sons that you have. But <laughs> even then, when you're rolling around in your wheelchair and you're like, God damn it, I shouldn't have fucking paid for those martial arts lessons for these fuckers. Um... You're not going to, you're not going to go, you know what you both, you are just not the weaker one because the weaker one won't have broken your spine, but the stronger one, you're not going to go, Hey, you got to go to hell forever. No, you'll be like, no, you get to go to heaven, even though you broke my spine, motherfucker. And that's the way I, you know, when I think of God, especially when I think of Jesus, like Jesus ain't throwing anybody in hell. No, Jesus isn't. What kind of Jesus is throwing people in hell? If you believe in a Jesus that's throwing people in hell, come on. Get over that that shit. That Old Testament God might. You know, so it it, de- it depends who has yeah, the authority up there. I don't. <laughs> I'm not an Old Testament type dude. I'm a New Testament guy. I'm a Jesus yeah. guy. Yeah, Jesus I, well, definitely. Jesus is definitely my my uh, friend. Well, Jesus yeah. will be cool. I'm cool. I know. Anyways, I got. I got. I, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior when I was 13 in the Baptist Church. So I can't go to hell. Like I'm. Right. Even if there is a hell, I can't go. 
So if you are if you are worried about hell, go to a Baptist church, accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then never go back and sure. never even go to church and do whatever the fuck you want. Right. Do whatever that's, you want. Like have an upside down cross on your birthday cake. Guess what? <laughs> you're going to you're going to heaven. So yeah. it's a good deal. Yeah, there you church. go. Yeah. I know yeah. there's I know there's a few religious people listening to this right now and they're like, You're going to hell, motherfucker. And I'll yeah. be like, Maybe, <laughs> but I doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the people I'll, that are know, dude, I was at I was in St. Louis and there was a guy on the street for six hours and all he was trying to do was save people from going to hell. And I was like, dude, that's so much and I was like, What are you doing? What right. do you believe in that you think God needs you out here to help people? Like well, don't you, in don't this you way, think those kind of people are they're they're a little bit off. Like someone, yeah, I mean, yeah. even the the most religious no, people and devout Catholics, they're not doing that. I think people like that are just a little bit off. They're off. Yeah, they're off for sure. So, Bob, I, I want to ask you something. Um, this conversation is making me think. You started a podcast I've been listening to. It's uh, I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. Great title. Dadheads, check it out. You said on a recent episode that um, you have a hard time dealing with emotions and expressing your emotions. But uh, when, I, when I hear some of your lyrics and I have a conversation with you that in-depth about death and all that, that's not the vibe I get from you. What, what makes you say that? Well, I don't... I don't think that I'm, that I have such a hard time with it now, but I mean, I had to do a lot of work for a long time. I was completely unable to access how I was feeling. And the only way I could do it really was through writing songs. And I didn't even know I was doing it until kind of years later when I started looking at all these songs and going, you know, cause I'm making up all the stuff that happens. Like the, the, the thing, the events that occur in my songs don't happen in real life. I'm just making them up. But the emotions that you feel, they reflect how I'm feeling or how I was feeling at the time when I wrote the song. And so for the longest time, that's really the only way I could kind of get that stuff out. But now I, I, I went to, I did a lot of individual therapy. And then what really helped me is I went to group therapy for seven years. And for seven years, once a week, I'd go into a group with seven other people and two counselors, four guys, four women. And, uh, we would talk about our emotions. We would, we would say, this is how I'm feeling right now. And then somebody would say something and it would bring up a feeling instead of me going, Hey, go fuck yourself. Or I'm leaving. I would say, Hey, I'm feeling really agitated or I'm really frustrated. And I would practice talking about my emotions with adults as an adult. And that exercise over the course of year after year after year allowed me to eventually get to a point where now I can go, oh yeah, this is how I'm feeling. Now, do I do that all the time? No. If I get super scared, I just get scared and kind of go back to the way that I used to do things when I was five or six. But a few minutes later or an hour later or a day later, I can go, oh, that's, that's what happened. But what I was feeling is this. So I've learned how to do it, but it took a lot of work. It didn't just magically happen. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, a lot of people. I'm not like that. I've, I've always been very expressive. I think it's maybe because of the way I was, I was raised. I don't know. 
Um, but a lot of people, that's their default setting. That's my wife's default setting. And it, it does take work. Like you just bury the emotions or you, you bury your feelings and let out emotion like anger or, uh, or sadness rather than like letting, letting the feeling come up and, and talking about it and being honest with yourself. I don't think that's most people's default. Yeah. Well, the problem is, I mean, I was raised in a family where if you had some emotions, nobody was listening to my feelings or my emotions. They were like, shut the fuck up or I'm going to give you something that fucking really cry about. And so you just learn to like, well, that, that there's no, like, there's no good can come from me talking about how I'm feeling. So I'm just going to shut all that shit down, pretend that everything's hunky dory and, uh, and just, act like everything's okay. And then you get to be an adult and you start doing that. And that just turns into like all kinds of problems. Yeah. Yeah. The, I think uh, what you're talking about locking it down, I feel like that's more of a old school kind of raising children type of type of method. I think, uh, newer parents, our generation, we're not doing it that way as much. So do you think maybe that's something that's getting better in society? I think people, you think, I feel like my kids are better at emoting even even than I was, and I didn't really struggle with it. And I, I, I'm around their friends, and most of their friends are feel so much more mature emotionally than I was at their age. Um, so do you feel like that's something that's maybe getting better in society? Yeah, I mean, my son, when he's feeling something, he just expresses it. So if he's sad, he just starts crying. And I'm like, yeah. and every time it happens, at first I'm just like, what the fuck is wrong with you? But then I'm like, oh, He's just doing what I'm doing, except he's expressing it. Now, I have those same feelings. I feel like crying all the time, but I don't because I was raised like it's not cool to cry. And if you cry, you're going to get in trouble or people are going to, you know, fuck with you or whatever it is. But I have those same feelings. I just don't express them the way he does. And, and, and because he's able to express them, because he's able to get them out they don't fester inside him and he's sad and then he's not sad. He's just yeah. feeling how he's feeling. Yeah. And, uh, I, I think it's amazing. Like I learned so much by watching him express how he's feeling. I'm like, wow, he's got this down. And I'm like, you know, even with all the practice and stuff, I still don't get in touch with how I'm feeling the way he does. Yeah, I think it's good. I think that it's society moving forward, and I think it's healthy. But at the same time, there is some value in locking it down once in a while. And a lot of kids today, like, we might be going too far in the other direction. So I totally encourage my kids to share their emotions and talk about how they're feeling. But they also got to know when they should probably hold that in for their own benefit. And uh, that might be getting away from us a little bit. Well, I mean, I don't know. He's 14, so I'm not going to expect him to act like a full-grown adult at 14. I think he's going through a lot of changes. You know, he's right in the middle of puberty. There's all these changes to his brain chemistry that's going on. There's, you know, changes in his body and stuff. So I'm definitely not going to expect him to, like, keep – I don't I, – I, I just let him do whatever he's doing now – if he's this way when he's 20 or 22 or 25, then I'll be like, Hey dude, you know, yeah. you got, it. but I don't think that's going to be the case. I think he will actually mature and realize, um, 
I don't know though. I, I, you know, I don't know. I do think, I do think there is the, the big problem is this idea that the world cares about you. Like I've raised both my kids now with the idea that like, they're special, like everything they do, I love everything that they do. I praise them. Yeah. They're special to you and your wife, but you know what I mean? Like the rest of the world doesn't give a shit about them. Right. So they they absolutely navigate that. Absolutely. And so I think that's the problem. I think you have all these kids who think that the world is going to think that they're special. And when the world doesn't, they're like, they're all pissed off all the time. And I'm like, uh, quit being pissed off. The only people that give a fuck about you are your parents. I don't like bring me my motherfucking bread, bitch. You know, (laughs) that's a dude I'm talking to. It's not a chick, by the way. It's a dude. It's a 22 year old dude who's working at cheesecake factory. And I'm like, bring me my motherfucking bread. You whiny douche. That's right. You can get away with that. If it's a dude, if if it's a a girl, we're going to have to hashtag me to you for that. But yeah, let me ask you what it's like. So I haven't. I haven't if it was a, if it was a chick, I would I would I would use the uh, I would address her as cunt. By the way, I wouldn't <laughs> use the word bitch. I'd be bring me my bread, you fucking. Actually, cunt might be a little rough. Actually, well, in that context, it depends. If you put it out in a British accent, you might get away with it. Uh, well, we're Australian. I think Jim Jeffries gets away with it because he uses an Australian accent. There's like I. Yeah. Can't and it's like, yeah. oh, that's an Australian thing. It doesn't mean the same thing as it does in America. Right, right, yeah. Um, having a teenager, we're not there yet. Um, I just remember being a teen, and and honestly, if I'm being honest with myself, my parents should have just locked me up in a cage and thrown raw meat in there for about three years, and just you know let all the hormones settle. Like you, when those hormones start cooking, you're just it's chaos. It's chaos for a young boy, probably for a young girl too, but I don't know. Don't have a vagina, but I imagine it's chaos for them too. Um, what do you, is your son getting to that point where he's just kind of losing it? And how are you dealing with that? I mean, he's definitely doesn't want to talk to me or, or I, I, I tell him all the time. I'm like, look, man, you're about to go through a bunch of shit that I had to go through. I've been through it. I've navigated all the waters. I'm here. I love you. I care about you. Uh, I have gone through everything. So I'm here if you want to talk to somebody or, uh, you you know, whatever. And he is like, okay. But he doesn't want to talk to me. And I I just, I can't imagine him talking to me. I just, but I, I just remind him that I'm here for him. But yeah. I mean, most of the time he's on his phone with his friends or he's got, he's got a girlfriend now, or he's, he's watching video games on YouTube or whatever the other thing that they watch video games on. And he's really into video games. Like he, he's really into Fortnite. He's got, he's on some team where he's like the team leader and, and like, he's killing it. I mean, he's kicking ass playing video games. So I'm like, man, whatever you do, like he loves it. And he's kicking ass. I'm like, great. Kick ass. Love what you do. And I'm here if you need me. But 
I mean, that's just part of being a young man is like, you got, you're like, you got to get away from your dad. You're like, you, so he's got to do his thing. And I, and I, yeah, gotta be your own man. that's just part yeah, of it. I think, I feel like, I, th- I feel like you're handling that the the right way. And I, I feel like I'm a, uh, be honest, I feel like I'm a really good dad, but I can see myself at that stage just feeling sad. Like right now, those kids just kind of worship me. They love me. You know, they, I'm their hero. And for them to not want to hang with me on the weekend, throw the football around, it just makes me sad already. So how do you have, I mean, was it sad initially for you? And how do you cope with that? Yeah, I mean, it sucks. But I'm telling you, here's the other thing that happened. Like, I just got a call out of the blue because my son's actually in California with his mom and and his stepdad um, for like three weeks or whatever. And I just got a call out of the blue from him which never happens. And I'm telling you, I was so over the moon just getting this call from him. Uh, so yeah, it's sad, but you know, I don't know. You just gotta, you gotta do your own thing. I, I don't know. It's uh there's no, it's just part of, it's just part of, part of the whole thing. I mean, uh, just cause yeah. he doesn't necessarily want to connect with me at this stage in his life. It doesn't, affect how I feel about him or, or, or how much time I want to spend thinking about him, you know? Yeah. No, sounds like you're doing it right, Bob. And, uh, you, you've been a gracious guest here. We, we love having you on, man. You're, you're, you're funny, entertaining, love the music. Um, we're going to let you go in a minute. Um, I know you're, we're going to see you at the Troubadour, I believe in August out here in LA. Uh, where can the people find you? Where can the fans of the dad find you? Um, I mean, there's bobschneider.com. That's got a bunch of information on it. It's got all my tour dates. I am going to be up and down the West Coast in July with the band, and I'm really looking forward to it because I think it's been a minute since I was out there with the band. I I travel a lot solo now, but um, it's hard to get the band out on the road, and we're doing like 12 days, which is probably the longest run I've done in years. Um, So we'll be out there. And then, of course... I've got that podcast that you mentioned. I'm okay. You're okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. That's on iTunes and wherever you get your podcast. And then I have another thing called the song club, um, which is a podcast that comes out once a month. And then it's also a Patreon thing because, um, what I do is I release these, uh, demos that I do, uh, eight oh, demos sweet. a month. Um, oh, so okay. the song club it, is the, I, the thing you were doing years ago where like you'd write like a song a day with some of your buddies, right? Well, I actually, I don't write them with my buddies, but, but I have some songwriting friends and, um, and I've been doing this thing for 20 years now where I'll come up with a phrase or or somebody in the group will come up with a phrase. We send it out to each other. Then we all have a, a, a designated amount of time. It's usually a week. It's a week now. It used to be like a day or two, um, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Um, and then you have to write a song and then we send them to each other in the group. And, uh, and so because of that, I've written, you know, thousand, I've probably written a couple thousand songs now, uh, and, doing and now that. You're releasing, you're releasing some of those through this podcast. Yeah. So through the, through Patreon, um, I'm releasing eight of those demos a month now. And, uh, and then I talk about the songs and, and just whatever, you know, uh, either where they came from or, or the process of creating the songs, or just who knows Game of Thrones or whatever the fuck I want to talk about, um, yeah. and and uh, so that I do that's that once amazing. a month. That, so you can you can also 
Yeah, that's going to make a lot of fans happy. I'm going to ch- I didn't know that. I'm going to check that out right after the show. I think that's great. And and speaking on the song club, like I that's awesome that you guys do that. Like a lot one problem with a lot of artists um is they they're artists, you know, they're they're expressive people. Um, but they're not always the most, uh, the, sometimes some artists will wait for inspiration to fall upon them rather than just doing the work. And with this song club, you're like sitting down on a regular basis and forcing it. Sometimes you can force inspiration. So you, you're, you're doing the work and that's gotta be a big reason why you've been so successful for such a long time. So I, th- I think that's super cool and I'm glad you're releasing them. Well, thanks. Yeah. I, I love doing it. I, I love songwriting and I, I found with every aspect of my life, if I'm accountable to someone or something, then I'm going to get it done. If I'm left to my own devices, I'm, I'm not good at getting stuff done. I don't have a ton of discipline, but if I tell you I'm going to do something, I'm pretty good about following through with that. But if I'm just like, tell myself, Oh, I'm going to do that. Then I'm like, I can get real wishy-washy with myself, but when, when it's somebody else. So with the song club, I tell everybody in the song group, like, if you don't get your song in on Tuesday, I'm going to cut you from the group. But the only reason I say I'm going to cut you from the group is because that makes me have to turn in my song. And if I, if I didn't cut people from the group, then I could let myself slide and go, man, I don't have time to do it this week, but what will end up happening because they're due Tuesday night is I'll be, you know, I'll go into the studio at midnight on a Tuesday and I'll write a song by three o'clock in the morning and send it off because I have yeah. to. And, uh, no, that's great. And you, you say and you're you not never kn- that's, that's discipline for sure. Um, what, I mean, a song a week, what percentage, honestly, what percentage of these songs are just not good? That's well, a lot of songs. I don't, I, I don't, you know, I don't think there's too many that are horrible. I think most of them are okay. I think most of the songs that I write are, are fine. They're, they're good. Uh, every once in a while, every once in a couple months, maybe every once in maybe 10 songs, I'll write a, a, a song that I'm really happy with that, that maybe I can play live that I can add to the set. And then yeah. maybe two or three times a year, maybe five times a year, maybe maybe five times a year I'll write something good. So yeah. So maybe it's one in 10, uh, are good enough to be added to the set list. But what ends up happening is, you know, I think a lot of people will write 12 songs over the course of a year and a half and they'll, they'll go, Oh, these are 12 great songs and they're not, there's one good song and then 11 shitty, not shitty even, but just not good. And who gives a fuck about them really? So, I'll write, I mean, even for this next record that I'm getting ready to do, I've, I've got 330 songs that I've got Jesus. in a, in a folder to wow. choose from. Now, had I only like written Tupac after you die, there's going to be Bob Schneider music coming out till our grandkids are elderly. Well, again, that's why songs. I have this. Well, that's why I have this song club now. So I can kind of get the songs out quicker than, yeah. than having to wait. But but the the cool thing about having 300 songs is you know what the good songs are. When you have 300 yeah. songs, you don't know what the good songs are if you only got 12. You think they're all good. It's like kids. Like if you had 12 kids, there'd be like three kids that would be like 
stick out and go, those are, those are the good kids. And the other kids would be like, eh, they could, they, those kids could use a little work. But if you only got two kids, you're like, oh, those kids are great. But even with two kids, you're kind of like, eh, like, I like my yeah, week. Exactly. I like my weaker. I like my weaker set a little better because I know that he's not going to make me shit in a bag in two years. <laughs> right. So, yeah. 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 All right, Bob. Thank you so much. I've, I'm I'm going to check out the song club as soon as we get off here. Um, thanks for coming on, man. We love you. Thanks, man. It was fun. All right. Take care.